William Stigner wrote, Evil has courage. Good is sometimes cowardly. Reality gets bent by appearances. I'll return to that quote directly. Hello, listeners. I'm David Winkler, a teacher and storyteller here on KWNK. It's my privilege to host a writer's world for Sean Griffin, who, with his wife Debbie, is off on an epic journey, which I'm sure he'll share with you in some part on his return. Meanwhile, this week's A Writer's World is entitled Walter Van Tilburg Clark and Mob Justice. You'll notice right away that Mob Justice is an oxymoron. I opened with a quote by William Stegner, who is justly described as the Dean of Western Writers. I'd like to revisit that quote. Evil has courage. Good is sometimes cowardly. Reality gets bent by appearances. In William Butler Yeats's poem, The Second Coming, much the same sentiment is expressed. Yeats wrote, The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Both quotes contain chilling implications. In Walter Van Tilburg Clark's classic Western novel, The Oxbow Incident, Yeats's passionate intensity and Stegner's evil courage are owned by members of a mob intent on arriving at their own brand of justice. It must be said that if you find yourself in a mob, your mental machinery forfeits individuality and shifts into a less honorable gear. It does so in order to conform to whatever identity the mob assumes. That identity usually is uncompromising, single-minded, and full of rage, whether in Nevada in 1885, where Clark's novel is set, or on the steps of the Capitol building on January 6, 2021. The dynamic is the same. Intelligence goes into hiding while stupidity takes the reins. Or, as George Carlin put it, never underestimate the power of stupid people in large groups. He might have added something about what danger lies at the heart of such groups. Now, naturally, a large group of people seeking to address injustice, oppression, or some other authentic grievance does not necessarily entail violence, nor should it. Its intent is to bring about constructive change in a peaceful manner. A mob, however, is an emotionally charged crowd or group waiting for someone to pull a trigger or for some other catalyst to set it off. When tempers are riding on the cusp of a flame and someone shouts, get a rope, that's when it gets scary. Walter Van Tilburg Clark came to Nevada from Maine via Vermont. He's best known as a Western writer, and his crowning achievement is The Oxbow Incident, published in 1940. Clark taught at the University of Nevada in Reno, where his father had been president, and although he remained a devoted writer all his life, his main passion seems to have been teaching. Rattotti was a good one. In the Oxbow incident, as with most good novels, we're, we're confronted by moral issues which don't provide easy answers. Rather, they prompt the reader to ponder his or her own inner reserve of right and wrong. In many Westerns, we're accustomed to good versus evil. At the end of the trail, justice prevails, and good flexes its virtuous muscle. But that's not what happens in Clark's novel. Clifton Fadiman said about the book, it bears about the same relation to the ordinary Western that the Maltese Falcon does to a hack detective story. The reader's moral compass is challenged in a way that it never is in classics such as Owen Wister's The Virginian or Jack Schaefer's Shane. Here's the plot 
briefly stated, The sheriff is out of town when local citizens find out third-hand that a friend and fellow rancher was killed and his cattle rustled. Emotions are roused to fever pitch and a posse is formed. While the members who take part are unofficially deputized, they are in fact vigilantes who swiftly turn into a mob, then a lynching party, while convincing themselves they're riding in the name of justice, armed with guns and ropes. It's reasonable to assert that mobs generate in its members a pressure to conform, to abide by the wish of the majority. The leader is conventionally an angry, self-righteous, power-hungry man who does not broker compromise. Women can and do participate in mobs. Uh, uh, There's a woman in the Oxbow Incidents posse. Yet history testifies that the motivating force is traditionally male. In Clark's novel, the self-appointed leader of the posse cum lynch mob is the humorless and tyrannic Major Tetley, whose personal agenda does not tolerate opposition. A compelling component of the novel is its first-person narrator, Art Croft. He is not the book's hero, as you might imagine, but a likable, hard-working cowboy who reports what he sees and goes along with the crowd, an everyman, so to speak. He and his partner, Gil, are against the lynching, but they never speak up. The rustlers turn out to be only three men, not 30 or 40, as the posse predicted. This makes the work easier. Three ropes for three men. The three proclaim their innocence, loudly and vociferously, but it doesn't save their lives. While neither Art nor Gil hold a rope, they are there, and that makes them complicit. They stand by and watch the three men hang without any evidence of murder or rustling. Neither is the reader convinced, one way or another, of guilt. A mob is hungry for justice, even when it's invented to suit its needs. It's later revealed that the rancher was not killed after all, as the third-hand source proclaimed. But now it's too late. The deed is done. The men are dead. Some of the participants are plagued by remorse, while others rationalize the lynching or feel no emotion at all. There are those, like Tetley, who have no realization of sin. I'm reminded of Faulkner's Trinity of Conscience, in which he divides the human race into three distinct groups, those who care and act, those who care but do not act, and those who don't care. Into the middle group fall Art and Gill, along with perhaps most of us. The unspoken wish is, Maybe someone else will take action, and I won't have to. Serving as the novel's moral center is an old man named Davies, who from the very start opposes the lynching. He's strongly in favor of the accused being taken back to town for a trial by jury. No one listens to Davies, least of all Major Titley, who has everyone whipped into a lather of vengeance. At one point, Davies confesses to Art, I let those three men hang because I was afraid. His conscience torments him and won't let him rest. Physical cowardice is one thing, but what about moral cowardice? The kind that plagues us because we fail to honor our conscience. What are the stakes and how high a price are we prepared to pay for justice, compassion, mercy, and honor? Now on the page, these words appear as abstractions, But the noose is a grim reality. In contemporary terms, the noose may be metaphorical for a pink slip, a canceled membership, voting privileges, or some other veiled punishment for not complying with popular opinion. 
That, for me, is pretty much the crux of the Oxbow incident. This brings me back to Stegner's words, reality gets bent by appearances. The moral ambiguities in Oxbow diffuse and discolor the shape and shades of reality, depending on what view is taken. Reality, like truth, can be a slippery slope. If I'm told a lie loud enough and often enough, and my best friends and my neighbors believe it, I might hitch my wagon to the same tarnished star. That's how advertising behaves at its most ignominiously, falsely, but persuasively, and it's often how politics drills its nasty half-truths into our psyches. George Orwell wrote that if a lie is told consistently and often enough, the lie becomes the truth. Hence, reality gets bent by appearances, and appearances then become the truth, if we let it happen. Mob violence has stained much of our history. Since its inception, this nation has witnessed more lynchings than can possibly be documented or put on record, always orchestrated by a mob, rarely in the hands of one person. The frightening aspect of it all is that after a mob completes its business, usually in the name of justice, the self-satisfied participants go home to their families, their jobs, with the knowledge of having done society a favor. In the wake of their deeds, we have scant evidence as to how many felt guilt or shame when facing their children, who in turn may inherit their parents' narrow beliefs if they fail to think for themselves. In today's culture, and in the age of the internet and social media, mob justice has expanded beyond Clark's Western saga. I feel tempted to say what Sean Griffin says at the beginning of his programs. It's a big subject, and we'll see where it leads. But in this case, it's too big to venture very far without exhaustion. Suffice to say that no matter where or when it exists, the mob is a bully, a rough beast forever slouching toward Bethlehem. There's a current wave of oppression and censorship occurring in our school systems. It comes in the form of those who would dare to ban books about race or sex in school libraries, all in the name of sparing facts that are perceived unfit or unsavory for today's youth. Gay and transsexual themes are targets, as well as slavery and much of black history. This twisted agenda evidently wishes to tell students, let's pretend these things don't exist by bending reality and whitewashing history. In Tennessee, some schools have removed from their curriculum the Pulitzer Prize-winning graphic novel Mouse, M-A-U-S, by Art Spiegelman, which reconfigures the evil of the Holocaust by featuring cats as Nazis and mice as Jews. Mouse is inventive, imaginative, and scary, as any book about genocide must be. In Texas, the controversy over banning school library books has led some teachers to resign or retire early. You know, just this morning I read a statement made by a school librarian in Fort Worth whose name I need not print, but who spoke candidly by saying, I got out because I was afraid to stand up to the attacks. In the Oxbow incident, Davy says, I let those men hang because I was afraid. So why be afraid? The intensity of fired-up mob mentality often plays the upper hand, and that hand is quite keen on smacking others down. The good don't necessarily lack conviction, as Yates maintained in the Second Coming, but they often cower at the sight of a noose, whether real or metaphorical. And that's Stegner's point and Oxbow's theme.
You may remember from your experience on school playgrounds that if you and your friends effectively stand up to bullies, they back down. Whether on a school playground or on a school board, it takes many voices to support social justice. What's required are courage and cooperation to overcome the voices that would limit a child's or anyone's access to books and ideas. Happily, I'm not the first to say that when our views and ideas are challenged, that's when we grow intellectually. Honest and open discussion contributes to growth. Suppression and censorship lead to fascism. When teachers and parents can speak freely with one another about sensitive material taught in the classroom, the outcome can only be positive. How can students possibly be expected to arrive at any version of the truth if they're denied the freedom to ask questions, read books that inspire them, and at times disturb them with grim realities about their heritage. It's desirable for them to be well-informed so they can take part in a future that will celebrate everyone's rights while placing no one's rights in jeopardy. It matters, too, that they know that mobs need not carry guns and ropes in order to intimidate. They may sit in well-lit corporate offices wearing ties and crisp white shirts while imposing upon others their oft-skewed versions of what is right or wrong for our children's education. Students must be encouraged to speak up with the assurance that their voice matters, along with everyone else's, so that afterwards no one will have to say, I was afraid. This concludes my program on Walter Van Tilburg Clark and Mob Justice. Please join us in the Collective Ethosphere on the first and third Sundays at 5 p.m. or stream it at kwnk.org. And please support your local independent bookstore. They're open and we need them. In Reno, that's Sundance Books and Music, and in Las Vegas, the Writer's Block. Thank you. Be safe and spread a little kindness wherever you are.